0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of The Darius Show. As always, my name is Darius Cook, and what we do here is I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today's episode, we're going to be doing a full breakdown of the new series on Amazon Prime called As We See It. I had a lot of fun watching this show. It follows a lot of characters that fall along the spectrum. Each of them has autism that manifests in different ways. And it basically just follows them as they navigate their mid-20s. Yeah, this one is really special and I have to say this is definitely like my top recommendation of anything I've seen in a long time. This one is definitely special so I can't wait to get into it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll the intro. It's the Darius show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius show. It's the Darius show. All right, so as we see it, as I mentioned before, this is a new Amazon series. It's a sitcom. It's a very emotional sitcom, but it definitely brings a lot of humor as well. But like I said before, it follows three 20-somethings. I think at the beginning of the series, they're all 25 years old, and it is implied that they've known each other for a long time. But they're roommates that are living together, and the thing that they all have in common is that they're all on the spectrum. Now, the way that that manifests for each of these characters is very different, and I will kind of define each of their personalities and how their, their autism affects them in their personal lives. But essentially, their goal in all living together is to gain some independence and for them to overcome, not their shortcomings, but their differences that make it harder for them to interact with the world. They are not alone. They also live with a live-in aide. Her name is Mandy. She's also certainly like the fourth main character. If anything, she gets more screen time than any of these characters because you see her present helping all of our other characters in their individual journeys and when they're together, and she has her own personal life going on as well. So she does, she's not the first one that comes to mind when I think about the show. She's certainly the fourth. That being said, she's probably featured twice as much as any other character is in the series, and because of that, she certainly acts as the backbone of the series. That being said, uh, the way that I plan on structuring this review is to kind of talk about each of their characters individually and talk about their specific journey that they go on throughout the series, because... Each of them goes on a very rich one, and I think it'd be easier to tackle it in that way. So without further ado, I'm going to kick things off with Harrison. Harrison is actually the first character that we're introduced to in the series. I guess he's also introduced alongside Mandy, and the dynamic is immediately set up. What we open up to is Harrison on the phone with Mandy walking down a street, and what quickly gets revealed is that they're trying to overcome his fear of kind of going out in public, and by doing so they're just trying to go down the street and go get a a croissant is what they're is what they're after here. And right away you see how good of a coach Mandy is and a supporter. She says all the right things and helps him overcome what might seem like a small victory but to this character it's clearly a very major stepping stone in his life. So very quickly you already understand that Harrison has probably the most he he All three characters on the spectrum, Harrison probably has the most severe case as it pertains to how he is able to function in the world. He, at the beginning of the season, he is the least functioning. He stays at home. He doesn't really interact with everyone. He's afraid of traffic, of dogs, of people, the sunlight, all these things. He more or less has been debilitated his whole life because of how he interacts with the world. So he certainly has the most progress to be made in the series. Harrison also acts as the heart of the series. Emotionally speaking, he certainly is the most stunted of the three. A, his mindset kind of is that of a child in a lot of ways, and each of our characters have versions of that. However, he seems the most uh, set back in his years in terms of how he's progressing and interacting with the world. Sorry if I'm repeating myself a little bit. However, that's made all the more clear by the episode three, we see Harrison start to develop a friendship with another kid that lives in their building. This kid is only 10 years old, whereas Harrison is 25. And this sets up for an interesting, interesting story that develops mainly in the first half of the season, the second half doesn't shine much focus on this character. But the child is only 10 years old, as I mentioned, his name is AJ. And the relationship that they develop is very genuine. It's said that AJ has trouble making friends and Harrison, given his situation, basically doesn't have any friends either. And it kind of just makes sense that, you know, this child who's 10 years old doesn't have big assumptions coming into their relationship. And Harrison is able to open up to him because he's a 10 year old, he isn't assigning judgment to him. And because he can exist in a judgment free environment, they're able to have a flourishing friendship. Now, on paper, this is obviously very creepy, especially from the point of view of AJ, a 10-year-old's mother. And she gets involved, and she is very adamant that Harrison and AJ do not spend any time together. Her position on that does evolve and change throughout the series. However, the final note that we get with that character is that Harrison is not allowed to talk to AJ, given any circumstances whatsoever. And this is an interesting situation they set up. Us as the viewer, once we've seen all aspects to Harrison and kind of the way that they interact, we don't have a problem with them being friends. You know, we can see that it's an innocent friendship. However, 10 year old to 25 year old, especially one who comes across very creepy at times, which that is how Harrison is often received. I would have red flags for that as well. That being said, uh, there the child actor does a really good job, too. I buy the genuine friendship that they kind of have. And overall, I think it's well done. Honestly, any situation or scene that you find Harrison in, it's hard not to just fall in love with him. He is such a genuine sweetheart, and his innocence oftentimes are the heart of his his storylines because it's all around these misconceptions where people think he's doing a bad thing or he thinks that people are doing a bad thing, but it's just because his point of view is often so innocent and coming from just such a genuine place that that tends to happen. The most interesting character dynamic that harrison has in the series in my opinion is with jack who's played by rick glassman um i'll get more into his character a little bit later but his where he is on the spectrum is a very different place than harrison and they have a banter relationship at first um jack is constantly kind of making fun of harrison or talking down to him but as we see throughout the series there is a genuine like brotherhood boyfriendship at the core of their friendship and I just, I, I appreciate how throughout the series you see those layers peel back a little bit. And whenever Jack is teasing him, that's actually a sign of very close friendship. You know, that's a close relationship. And it's just because Jack doesn't have many of those of, in his life that it might come across as bullying on the surface. By far and away, the character that Harrison interacts with the, the most is Mandy. And that's because, you know, she's the aid to all three of these characters. However, she has to spend the most time with him. He does require the most attention and effort. And so uh, they they spend a lot of their screen time together. And Harrison has a bit of an unhealthy relationship with Mandy and the people that are close in his life, his family members, his sister and his parents specifically. He is overly attached, and we can see that that's a pattern he's had he has had in his life. Mandy by far is the most healthy manifestation of it. However, later on in the series, we see that he... Uh, misinterprets a uh, a relationship between them or a mutual interest when she expresses to him that she loves him of course she doesn't mean that in a relationship type way she means that more in a familial sense he misinterprets this and this leads to the big dramatic breakage between those two characters that he feels betrayed by her because she said those things I thought it was a little ridiculous that, Mandy would trip up and be a little vague in this moment. I think it's kind of obvious that Harrison would receive it in a weird way, just saying that you love him and in kind of the date setting that they were in at the time. And Mandy is shown to be so competent at her job that I don't believe that she would misstep in this way. That being said, it was handled really well in the way that they show these scenes where Mandy has to navigate these really just tough situations. Um, It provided a great opportunity to explore that. And it was well pulled pulled off Harrison maybe grows the most out of any character this season I mean they all grow significantly so what's the point of even trying to compare them but he ends up being able to cross the city by himself like he knows how to navigate buses and stuff like that and go you know two hours away even though that kind of ended up in a bit of a disaster situation at the end of the day where we first pick up at the series, he struggles to walk even a couple blocks. And then he matures into this character who does feel comfortable enough to operate in the world on their own. The next character I want to talk about is Jack. Uh, because I just mentioned him, that'll act as an easy segue into his character. And what I mentioned a little bit before, his name is Rick Glassman in real life. That, that is the actor who's playing this character. And this actually might be a good moment to talk about how each of the actors that are playing these characters on the spectrum are also on the spectrum. However, I'm pretty sure based on interviews I've seen with these actors and having been exposed to some of them previously, they're definitely uh, playing up a different part of the spectrum than they might be on. So it's just interesting. I don't know if anyone will feel a certain type of way about a character kind of uh, representing something they aren't 100%. However, they are on the spectrum, so they would understand a lot of these situations that they're coming from. It's just an interesting nuanced situation here. But, but like I said, Rick Glassman, I actually have been a really big fan of his podcast for some time now. I discovered it in early COVID, and me being a fan of him is how I heard about this show and why I was so eager to check it out. He actually inspired me to start a podcast, so I owe, I owe a lot to him in that regard. However, I think that he really knocks his performance out of the park here. Knowing him after having listened to his podcast a lot... I definitely know he's playing a v- up a very different version of himself, but there are notes of his own personality in that performance for sure. And his character is a bit neurotic. Like I said, he's coming from a different, diff- a very different place than Harrison is when we meet his character. He is more higher functioning. He, uh, he isn't driving at this at the time that we meet him, but we know he's had a license before. He has a job. He has a great job, actually. I'm not quite sure the logistics of it, but he he w- he created a program, a program that he had to dumb down for his boss that he says, and he's, he's implied to be quite brilliant. He's a very smart character. However, the one thing that he's struggling in is how to communicate with people, and his problem is that he's overly honest. He says everything that's on his mind. It's not the same thing as Tourette's. It's just that he doesn't get it when people are being sarcastic or he doesn't understand a lot of the nuances in conversation and so he will often say things that puts uh, his own foot in his mouth and that gets him in a lot of trouble. The first plot that we get with him is him at his job and basically even though the product that he produced at that job was amazing, he wasn't able to speak to his boss with any respect, called him dumb, said that he's more intelligent and that almost gets him fired at a point. And that's, pretty, that's a lot of what he has to overcome, especially in this fir- the first half of the run of the series, is him just kind of figuring out his place in the professional world. I have a lot of fun watching this character navigate that. There's a lot of good humor that comes out of it, and this kind of fish-out-of-water storytelling. Maybe I'm biased because I like this uh, actor, podcaster so much, but I think that a lot of his scenes are really well done, and there's a lot of subtlety to it. Where things really get interesting for this character is when he finds out that his dad has cancer, and throughout the series, we realize that not only does he have cancer, he's got it real bad, and the condition that he's in accelerates greatly throughout the journey that we go through with our characters. In my opinion, the timeline of this season is probably about one, two, maybe three months at the most, and throughout that time, we see him really descend in a big way. The relationship between Jack and his father is one of the most beautiful things this show has to offer. The struggle that we're seeing here is his dad knows that he's on borrowed time. There's not that much time left for him. And even though Jack is amazing and he's come such a far away, he still has a few things to learn before he could be completely independent. He still relies on his father in a lot of ways. And so his father feels this immense pressure to make sure that Jack is taught everything he possibly can and is set up to have an okay life once he passes on. Jack, of course, is a little bit confused by this. He also feels that same sense of urgency to make sure that he has everything figured out before his dad passes on because he relies on his dad. Obviously, everyone does rely on their parents. However, what he also brings to the performance is that he's worried about his dad. And we see for the first time this character is opening up and having empathy for others. We see it a few times throughout the series. And he starts to ask his dad questions. He's the advocate for his father. It's a sign of emotional growth for the character. And the subtlety at which they used to convey that, again, just super well done. The writing, the acting, and the overall tone is very consistent throughout this series. And I would be hard-pressed to find anything just not absolutely charming about it. During one of his appointments, his cancer appointments, Jack ends up meeting his father's nurse. And her name is... tomi. I might be pronouncing that slightly wrong, Ewatomi. However, he they start to develop a little bit of relationship uh, throughout the series. At first, when we meet her, I didn't expect anything like this to happen. I thought she was just going to be a stern nurse character that we interacted f- with for just the episode, but the chemistry between them is on point. I would never expect, like, so She she's black. She's a black nurse from Nigeria, right? She's got a strong personality, and she's a hard worker and very caring, and What we get from Jack is like a 6'3 cis white male um, who is immensely on the spectrum and has uh, these social issues or whatever you want to call them. And seeing them interact, you wouldn't expect for them to make a cute couple necessarily. They're very much so opposites coming into each other. However, the chemistry that does exist there is electric. She's such an understanding and patient woman. And the way that she teases him, but also respects him and doesn't talk down to him at any point uh it's it's just really well done her performance it it really knocks my socks off um I had a lot of fun falling in love with them together and seeing that relationship kind of flourish a little bit uh it leads to a really interesting conversation that they have over dinner one time where she says to him I know that you're that you have autism and this is a really interesting moment for his character where it seems like for the first time He's coming to terms with the fact that people can tell that he is on the spectrum. Um, it's clear, even though he is the highest functioning of our trio, it's clear right away that even though he is very functional in society, that he has autism. Any, I think anyone would be able to come to that conclusion. And so to realize that he thought he was passing this whole time, um, it, it, it was a rude awakening for him. And that gave him a great deal of anxiety. It was... That's just an interesting perspective that I've never really considered or really seen presented to me in any way before. It's a very unique experience and like an angle that never really came to my mind. Seeing him explore that emotion was intense, raw, and everything I, was, I wanted without knowing I wanted it. Super cool, super cool scene. By the end of the season, Jack is gearing up to propose to Iwatomi, even though they've been dating for just a short period of time. They do have a strong connection, but that's it's clear that him wanting to propose is more out of a desperation to lock something firm as a foundation in his life before his father passes away. And unfortunately, Iwatomi denies. And it's not because she doesn't like him a lot. I mean, I'm sure she wasn't gonna say yes even if she could, but she plans on moving back to Nigeria soon. Very somber awakening. And it's it's one of the one of many rude awakenings that he will have to embrace in his timeline. You know, difficult situations where there is no right answer is what life is all about. And seeing him having to confront that was super interesting as well. The note that they end off with this character is that even though she has to leave soon, that doesn't mean that she can't still be his first time. And the way that she delivered that was nice and funny. And seeing him come to the conclusion that that's what she's alluding to was charming as well. Uh, They didn't do that yet. I'm sure that's going to be something that will take a lot of the uh, attention if they do have a season two here. At the first half of that season, I'm excited to see him exploring losing his virginity. Towards the second half of this season as well, there's a moment where, as I mentioned before, Harrison has, uh, he misinterprets the meaning of what Mandy says to him when she says that she loves him, and this leads him to feeling betrayed and sad and heartbroken all for the first time, and Jack can kind of pick up on this. He he could, he could started to realize that Harrison was having a crush on Mandy. He kind of called it out a little bit, and he can see that he's now depressed and shelling himself up, and Jack, being the, the adventurous spirit that he is, that's learning to empathize for the first time, says to Mandy that he will go practice his empathy on, on Harrison. But what we really see is a genuine scene where jack you can tell that Jack can see that Harrison is in this tough place and that there is genuine empathy happening. He really cares for his pal. That being said, he doesn't necessarily know how to show it. However, the scene between these two characters without anybody else in the room Um, you really get to see that for them, they don't feel uncomfortable. They just are existing the way that they are. And it's a reminder, a message that this series definitely delivers on multiple times, but it's a reminder to the audience that sometimes it's our expectation on people that makes it seem like they're the weird ones. You know, it's not a disability. It is a difference. And sometimes it's on everybody else to kind of recognize that difference and be a little flexible. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about the subtext of that scene that really made that clear to me. Shortly after, as they're kind of lamenting together, Jack actually doesn't have any wisdom to offer him. However, what he ends up doing is just playing a song and kind of laying there with him, just kind of being there for him and within his sadness. Shortly after, they're joined by their third member, someone who I haven't really mentioned yet, and she sits there with them as well. This comes in the second to last episode, and just that scene alone did so much to convey what the value of them being together is. They're kind of living, living and navigating this world with similar, with similar cards stacked against them together. And there is a genuine bond there that is very well communicated. All right. Our third member of our trio is Violet. Violet is honestly, she's the most fun character. Her scenes have the most energy to them and there's the most humor is delivered whenever we're focusing on her story. Uh, Basically, She's a little bit repressed as well, uh, like age-wise it kind of seems. She she basically is a very excitable girl. She gets excited about everything. She wants human connection. That's something we're told, the audience is told from Mandy's perspective about halfway through the series. And it's that she she's very competent. She has a job at Arby's and she can do multiple types of things. However, she's very direct. She doesn't have a filter and she doesn't realize how she's coming across. Her point of view can be very naive and innocent. It's, it's, it's not unlike how Harrison is, but she doesn't have any fear about interacting in the world to, uh, to slow her down the way that Harrison does. And rather it's replaced by genuine excitement to experience everything that life has to offer. She is like an excitable little girl in a lot of ways, even though she's actually 25 turning 26 in the series. So what we follow with her is really this desire to be loved. Um, she wants this in the form of a boyfriend where, you know, at the beginning of the series, she wants to hook up with someone. She wants to lose her virginity. She's almost desperate for it. And we see her kind of clinging on to anyone who will give her any attention. Early on in the series, uh, she ends up going on a bumble date despite her brother's warnings. That's another thing. Uh, Her character is intrinsically tied to another character named Van, her her older brother just by three years. And a lot of the storylines that we that we play out with them is exploring the situation when he's kind of her legal guardian, even though, you know, in the context of the series, when she turns 26, he's only 29. He's just a few years older than her. However, their parents passed away. And because that happened, it's kind of on him to bear the torch and take care of her and make sure she's looked after in every way, shape, or form. Obviously, this is a lot of pressure to put on someone who's barely older than the other individual and he is doing his best throughout the series, but you can see that he's really tired and he's, he do, he's out of his depth in a way. And he's almost there. He's very caring, but at times he makes the wrong calls with her because he's a little too controlling or just overly worried about her. Uh, his journey is an interesting one, but we'll get into him a little bit later. He's just so intrinsically tied to her character in the narrative that I had to shout him out really quick. As I was saying, the Bumble date scene was really good to me. I think that the way that they played... So this is one of the characters that it's not obvious at first that she's on the spectrum. Someone could have full-on conversations with her and not realize it, as many of the characters in the series do. Uh, Certainly a unique aspect to her manifestation than some of the others that we get here. And at first, this person is just meeting up with her, having no idea that she's on the spectrum. And... They have a nice little interaction at first, but quickly she's just overwhelming him with all of these oddities. She's talking about, you know, uh, we can't have sex tonight, but we can kiss, or we can do this, do you like my lipstick? She's just kind of hitting him a mile a minute, and she's already kind of fabricated a bit of their relationship that clearly has not happened yet. He is overwhelmed by this, very understandably. I don't even think that he ever realized in their interaction that she was on the spectrum at all, and what he ends up doing is just dipping out the back door. Uh, I totally understand where he's coming from here and it calls into question a very interesting topic that I would have no idea where to weigh in on is, is it their responsibility to disclose that information? I really don't know. I, I think that most of their interactions would probably go better if they had, but is it her responsibility to disclose that beforehand? And I don't know. It's just super interesting and there's a lot of things that come that get called into question in the series that there's never really a clear answer for. It's just a nuanced uh, situation that requires understanding and patience. So obviously that situation doesn't go well, and it leads to her brother taking her phone away. And again, this is a 26-year-old character. This is where a lot of the tension comes from this character throughout the season, is her struggle to gain her own independence. She wants to just live in this world and have a carefree life and just experience, like I said, everything that life has to offer. However, she keeps getting burned because she can't do the things she wants to do. Her brother is a little too controlling of her, and she keeps getting misinterpreted by people. She even eventually starts to develop this fixation on someone that she sees at work a lot, a vendor that drops off things to their job. And they have a flirtation, which leads to, uh, on her birthday, she goes out to a, a club and she, and, oh, it's not her actual birthday. It's a little bit after the point, but it is a birthday celebration. And long story short, she ends up losing her virginity to this character in the backseat of his pickup truck. He doesn't take advantage of her or anything like that. That being said, I think it's another situation where he doesn't realize that she's on the spectrum. Uh, we certainly never see a scene where she divulges that information. And so, in his mind, he's just having a hookup with this girl. Totally innocent on his point. You know, he... Has the right to want to hook up with a random girl and not necessarily expect a relationship out of it, especially because they, uh, you know, they hook up without establishing much of one to begin with. And of course, this leads to the biggest heartbreak for this character as she doesn't know how to process these emotions. In her mind, they had sex, so they're totally together now. Like she's ready to call him babe, go on dates, maybe even get married. That's kind of how her brain works. You said this, so that means this. And all these implications and she often is quite ahead of herself in her mind. We also see this in her relationships that are not romantic. She's friends with Van's sister, excuse me, Van's girlfriend and she completely fixates on her to an overwhelming sense and she does the same thing with Mandy in a lot of ways. Because Mandy is a positive relationship in her life, she can be a bit obsessive with her at times. If I'm going to be honest, I feel like her character is... The one where that she experiences a lot throughout the season. But as far as growth, I feel like she's kind of already where she needs to be at the beginning of the series. Her journey is more about getting the other people in her life kind of on board and to give her enough credit. You know, she is a bit of a brat. We definitely see that in the episode that actually takes place on her birthday. She wants everybody there. She wants it to be the best birthday ever and when it doesn't go exactly according to her plan she has a total meltdown and it's it's just it's interesting to take a look at her character because she she does grow and experience a lot of things you know she gets her first heartbreak she loses her virginity and she experiences a lot in the way of relationships but she doesn't have to learn any big lessons you know it, it's just interesting her character is kind of there her character believes in herself and wants to like take on the world she has so much uh, zest to do that but Characters like her brother and other people in the world that kind of underestimate her are holding her back. The big plot towards the end of the series is her brother wants to send her to a group home where she could be kind of taken better care of. Her response to that is, why don't you want me? Nobody wants me. And it's really heartbreaking to see her kind of break down in that way. But uh, the way that they answer it and Van, her brother, finally comes around and starts to look at a situation as more of a gift than a curse something that Jack's dad helps him along with, that retooling and reshifting of the narrative allows for them, for the first time in this series, to move forward in a very positive direction. I'm excited to see what's next for for her character. She also developed a love-interest relationship with Douglas, who is another, uh, he's a side character that is also on the spectrum. I actually would be really interested in exploring Douglas's character a lot more as well. Because as we know how it is on the spectrum, each person is completely unique and he he introduces a unique flavor into the trio as well. I hope that his character gets uh, plussed up a little bit because I thought he was pretty charming and fun to play with as well. And before I finish talking about Violet, I have to give the actress praise because they're... Specifically with her character's performance, there is so much that's being communicated in her eyes. She's doing a lot of face acting overall, but if you watch her fu- her eyes, the way her eyebrows move, the way that she squints and twitches a little bit with her eyes, so much of her emotional state is being conveyed through that. Even without her melting down, you can see her kind of snapping or losing her temper or not able to understand a situation and just getting overwhelmed by it. And She communicates so much of that just with what's on her face that... She just brought to life this character in such a strong way. Her character certainly has the largest ranges of emotions to play around with. You know, she she plays up uh, drama, tragedy, in love, excited, all these all these intense emotions in every direction. You know, whereas Harrison, he's playing up a very a very I'm not saying that his performance is not a difficult or an impressive one. His range of emotion, however, is very limited. He kind of plays up a similar route every single time: fearful, timid, uh, soft-spoken, and that's the same thing can be said with Jack's character. Again, a very impressive performance, but his emotion is much more subtle. It's in he he doesn't communicate a lot of emotion on his face at all. In fact, it's very deadpan. However, you have to look for those pauses in his monologues and what he's communicating specifically with the words and the delivery and his tone to see his emotional state. All three of them are doing very different things, but Violet has the most uh, the most to work with, for sure, in the way of an emotional performance. Now, of course, I have to talk about Mandy. Now, all the actors have a lot to do in this series. Like I said, it's emotional, it's dramatic, and of course, it's funny as well. And so there's a lot of range that each of these characters have to bring to the table. This is complex storytelling and a very nuanced subject to talk about. So to be able to do it while being entertaining and hitting all these marks in a correct way is no easy task. And the actress for Mandy probably has the most to do out of anyone. anyone. As I said, because she's the aid to all these characters, not only does she have her individual plot lines happening, but she appears in everybody else's. Not only is she just present for all of them, she often is the one who's giving us kind of the moral answer. She's delivering what the lesson is to be learned in the series for each of these characters. So she really has a lot of heavy lifting to do here, and she kills it. Um, I would say that the weakest things that we get with her are her romance plots. When even when even we're So I'll just talk about her plots, and I'll get there when I get there. At the beginning of the series, you know, she has this A job that she's been doing for a certain period of time. And she's waiting to get the results back of her test to see if she got in, into any med school. Uh, she unfortunately doesn't get into any med school. So her first big decision she has to make is, does she go with her boyfriend to Berkeley? Or does she stay where she is and continue to foster this relationship and growth that she has with, with her people in this apartment for now? while she potentially you know, starts to reapply and do med school the next year. And that's what she ends up doing. Of course, this is not an easy decision for her. Uh, following her boyfriend to Berkeley feels like the right thing to do in terms of her expectation or what's going to be the most successful thing. However, her emotional state, there's something keeping her here uh, with the people that she's with right now. Of course, it's a good thing that she does do that, and she gets a lot of reinforcement from the her i I still gotta say her patience, but the people that she works with their families are so appreciative of her and her ability to get through to their children you know it's it's shown that she has this ability to perfectly perfectly kind of provide an answer to whichever problem they're dealing with at any given time. She's not a Mary Sue, she doesn't do it without any difficulty but the way that she's able to navigate all these situations and provide the right thing to say at the right time, it's very consistent, it's very impressive, and it's very believable. I believe that the, that the way that she comes up with how she communicates to each of these kids, each of these uh, adults in their situations, is is realistic to how somebody would in real life and it is a good example of what the right way of addressing people in the spectrum is you know you lead with understanding you lead with compassion and you don't talk down to them they they know what's going on as well they just have a different frame of reference at certain points so yeah she does an awesome job again she has a lot to lift and she does it gracefully I also think that her romance with Van is not very well done. It's it has a consistent build and I can kind of see that's where we're going. By episode 2, I'm already kind of making that prediction that those characters are going to get together. However, I don't know, there's just something about the way that her romance the romance around her character specifically is done that just doesn't work for me. This show is firing firing on all cylinders and makes few mistakes in my opinion, but her romance just falls so flat to me and the scene where they actually kiss for the first time was kind of cheesy and h- held no emotional weight to me there's something very predictable and very hallmarky about the way they pull it off that's not to say that all the romance in this series is poorly done i actually think that the jack and el romance is really well done like i really like the way that they play around with that and i really like You know, I don't love the character Julian for Violet, but the way they play around with that dynamic, it does work for me. And later on, the Violet and Douglas dynamic is like my favorite thing out of this show, and I can't wait to see more. So charming, so innocent, and so playful. Now, it's interesting that they're able to pull off those romances that are with these characters on the spectrum better than they are to just handle, you know, not regular, but these uh, neurotypical uh, relationships they fall a little bit more flat on screen and just are more basic honestly it's just something I've seen so many times before and I don't feel like they really bring anything new to the table with Mandy and Van. So those are pretty much all the major plots that happen with these individual characters and again in my opinion there's four main characters it's it's Harrison, Violet, Jack, and Mandy. Van kind of squeezes his way into a fifth character role, but he doesn't have any individual plots, in my opinion. All of his plots are around the other characters that are more forefront. So I'm going to put him in the side characters for now, but hopefully in a season two, we could see him step up a little bit more and have just more to do as an individual. Um, I really hope that Harrison gets a proper romance interest in the next season. Again, he does make the most growth, Out of anybody in the series, I think, in terms of personal growth. That being said, in the grand scheme of things, he's still far behind our other two. And I just hope that we get a little bit more focus and a little bit more nuanced storytelling with him. I want more to do with Harrison and I want more out of his character. This show manages to set up emotional stakes in each episode. It's it feels like a unique series. You know, there's only 8 episodes and so much is accomplished in those 8 episodes. Each one is about 30 minutes. Some of them get a little closer to 40 minutes long. Certainly not a long series by any means. However, each episode sets up a problem for each character to overcome. And I mean each character. Every character has something to do. And even though each episode has like a start and finish, you know, each character overcomes something or has a major plot line fully play through each each episode just acts like another chapter to the overall struggle that they're going through in that specific season in this season. I know that that's, you know, that's something that I feel like every show kind of strives for that is kind of the nature of what a se- season long story will be for characters. However, this show just pulls it off in such a more poignant way. You know, each episode feels like it could be the season finale and that's a beautiful thing to be able to do. The the director of the series also did Parenthood and did Friday Night Lights. I didn't never, I never really saw Friday Night Lights, but Parenthood, I'm a really big fan of. And I would, I, there is a lot of overlap there. It's not the same show by any means at all, but the way their approach to storytelling and how they can fit that much uh, character depth in each kind of episode with the overall narrative still hitting, you know what? Scrubs is like that too. It's, it feels kind of like Scrubs, it's not the same tone and how much they're able to accomplish within their storytelling on an individual episode and on the season-long structure at large. Hats off, done very well, chef's kiss, all that good stuff. But yeah, that's just about... that's just about going to bring my conversation about as we see it to a close here, guys, I hope that a lot of people discover this show so far, just talking with people in my everyday life. Not a lot of people have seen or heard of this show. So I hope that this recommendation helps get the ball rolling out there somehow. Tell your friend to watch it and then tell them to listen to this review. Uh, I really hope we get a season two and overall, I'd love to see more content that pays such respect to what it's like to be on the spectrum. And Uh, I just would love to see this type of storytelling a lot more. So, yeah, as we see it, season one, Amazon Prime. Did you watch it? What did you think? What do you think about my review? Leave me some feedback, guys. I have an email that's at thedshowpod at gmail.com, at thedshowpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at The Daria Show. Check it out. Tap in. I'm going to start making some good videos on TikTok. But yeah, I want to hear what you guys got to say. And if you made it this far, thank you so much. And that's going to be it. I love you.